0: Welcome to At Length with Steve Scher, Volume 2. This is a series of podcasts, long interviews with some of the folks who are coming to Town Hall over the next few months. We also have a podcast where we're excerpting some of these interviews, as well as looking back at the previous two weeks of what happened at Town Hall. That's called In the Moment. But this is where you can listen to some of the longer form interviews that I'm doing with some of the folks who are coming to Town Hall. In this episode, Major Margie Witt retired. She fought the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policies and helped overturn that policy in the military. I talked to her on Skype. By mid-2004, almost 10,000 U.S. service men and women had been expelled by the military. Don't Ask, Don't Tell was 10 years old, touted as a compromise to allow gays to serve, but its perhaps unintended consequences generated hunts for gays in the service, fear among those serving that they would be outed and ousted, Don't Ask, Don't Tell created a culture of silence that fostered lies of omission and undermined morale. Mid-2004 was also about the time that Major Margie Witt, Air Force Reserve, 18 years a decorated military leader, sat down with an investigating JAG officer and was told to sign a paper admitting to a relationship with a woman and be discharged from the service. A service she loved and honored. She fought instead, and the case of Major Margaret Witt v. U.S. Air Force et al. helped change history. Her new book, written with journalist Tim O'Connor, Tell, Love, Defiance, and the Military Trial at the Tipping Point for Gay Rights. Major Witt will be at the Museum of Flight September 26th at 7.30, a presentation of Town Hall. Major Witt, Margie, thank you for talking to me.
1: Thank you very much for having me,
0: Steve. I I was wondering if you would... uh, do me a favor and, and take a moment to uh, react to what's happening now. President Trump has uh, called for banning transgendered people from serving. Three former secretaries of the military services added their voices to a lawsuit challenging President Trump's orders. Defense Secretary Mattis said that for now, current policy remains in effect while the Pentagon studies, and this is a quote, how to carry out the order while promoting military readiness and cohesion and that language sounds very familiar to me reading this book so what's your reaction
1: my reaction is disgust and disappointment um it's definitely a huge step backwards and um as as proven a uh, a false pretense that you know we affect unit you know, cohesion and morale just globally in a negative way uh i think what it's done is Affect uh, unit cohesion and morale by coming out with the tweet to begin with. Absolutely shocking, and and uh, it brought about such a guttural response from me because I I understand that, that that fear that panic. I mean, I can't. You wake up and you were fine yesterday, and now you're not. I mean, I don't understand it. We we've been going through this study for, for over a year now and, you know, transgender service members have been, have been serving all along. It's, it's an, it's a non-issue. It really is.
0: Well, it's uh, when you said guttural, a guttural response, was there a literal guttural response? Did you see that and scream or?
1: Oh, it, it, it made me sick. It, it, it absolutely turned my stomach. Um, I just had such sympathy or empathy for the troops that are that are serving. I, I can't imagine serving under this strange situation, where everything but the final pen swipe, you know, has has gone through, and you're serving honorably and. And then a tweet comes out and changes your entire life and changes changes the focus you know everyone is focused on their mission and and could finally could finally fully focus on their mission and be supported in it and, and I can't imagine now just day to day wondering what what's going to happen
0: tell me have you been contacted by some members of the transgender community who are serving in the service for uh, for support, for, uh, for comments, for, for, for ideas?
1: Uh, I have not been contacted directly. Um, I do have a, a number of friends that, that uh, are involved with different organizations, and we keep in touch on Facebook, and I keep up with them.
0: You know, I was struck by this, this statement in, in this part of in your book, this, this paragraph. Um, up through World War II and into the period of the Cold War, Sexual perversion and other terms of moral condemnation were used to justify the expulsions of homosexuals from the military, um, and that, um, you know, as you write about in the book, that's stretched back to George Washington's time in the American military, and and it's always the same language. It's the language of of um, uh, well, it's the same language we have with uh, with with sports today it's the language of exclusion it's language of you don't fit in and what keeps you fighting because i could feel that being a very wearying language to have to listen to all the time
1: it is it is and it's demoralizing
0: but you keep fighting You keep you. I mean, you wrote this book. You could have you could have been quiet after that, but you put this book out instead. I imagine for the same reasons that you uh, you fought from the very beginning, isn't that right?
1: Right. It's an important story to be told. Um, I want it to be seen from that human perspective. Um, I think the more you know, and the more you, you you reach out, or the the more you're willing to be involved the more you understand um, I think so much is, is ignorance and so much is just not understanding that the human the human nature and, and allowing human dignity
0: yeah the humanness you know there's a lot of talk these days about intersectionality I'm sure you've heard that phrase where we see we start seeing each other in all the different ways we are individual as opposed to a label and um That we 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 seem to still be pushing that notion against folks who only see the labels or only see the the color. Um, is it all it's it's only gonna be the human that's gonna get us past that, I suppose.
1: Right, and and that goes with you know, once and it's one of the reasons where I really fought labeling myself. Because you can't escape that label, and and it once somebody pins that on you, um, there you are. Or if if you freely label yourself, there there you are. You're looked upon as a label. Um, you know I was always the the lesbian Air Force nurse. Now I'm I'm no longer just Air Force nurse. Now I have an, an additional tag. Um, and it, it's just, it's sad. It's really sad.
0: You You know, know. you know, uh, uh, Colonel Greta Kammermeyer who fought her own battles, um, when you decided to bring lawsuit after 2004 and you met with her and, and she writes about this in the beginning of the, of, uh, she writes about it and you write about it in the book. Um, But uh, she wrote about this notion of the WIT standard. And and the phrase she she used uh, in writing the book, she said um, she called it uh, a caveat to your successful lawsuit forever connected to an anti-gay statue. Um, (laughs) What did you think about that when you read that? And how do you feel to have your name be connected in that way as a standard by which the military could pursue their policies if they wanted to
1: well first of all all of my friends who really know me really had a good chuckle because they probably know an entirely different wit standard um
0: (laughs) well what's that what's that wit standard (laughs) a level of a level of humor what's that wit standard
1: yeah we'll go with that yeah um i'm really i'm proud of of that in the fact that the whole meaning behind it is that you have to look at the individual. And you can't just lump everybody into that one label means bad. You know, that they, they have to look at everyone individually. Um, you know, it should be based on performance, not some label.
0: So you were talking with her, and you were having this conversation uh, with 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 uh, Colonel Camamire, and you were co- you were you were mad about what was happening to your mission, that you're right. and 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 this is a famous story. I've read this in a few different places over the years. And what did she say to you?
1: Well, I, I was I was so focused on on getting back to my unit, and because they were all deployed, we were we were going to war, and they were all out there, and I was bench. And I was just focused, focused, focused on getting back, getting back, getting back. And she just turned and she said, major, your mission has changed. This is bigger than you now. And that was really powerful. And then I had to step back and say, yes, ma'am, I got it.
0: (laughs) There's the service member.
1: Yeah,
0: you had a task, a different task now.
1: Different focus.
0: How was that over the years? How did you How did you handle that burden? Or was it a burden?
1: Um, I, oh, you bet. At times, it, it it was it was it was tough. It was tough having, you know, went for years, so everything would ramp up. And then there'd be a lull and ramp up and there'd be a lull and um, it was it was really taxing at times. You know, when we headed up toward the trial, that was tough. It was difficult. The most difficult thing was being aware away from my unit, being away from my military family. Um, they were, you know, being deployed over and over again, and here I was. That was hard. It was really hard.
0: But you had you were also building a relationship at that time and you had so you had somebody to rely on but that was That's, all tumultuous too.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. we 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 would take turns supporting each other, you know. and one needed a little more support.
0: Cuz she was going through a divorce, the divorce was getting ugly, there were children involved.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was a lot going on for a number of years and it was pretty stressful but you know you make each other laugh and you gotta you gotta find the humor in everything
0: really where was the where where did you find the humor I, there
1: you know it, we found it wherever we could wherever we could and you know every little celebration we would celebrate you know it would to this day we have a bottle of champagne in the refrigerator, and if there's something to celebrate, we pop that cork and recognize it.
0: Seize you, know, the,
1: you, you know the good when you had the bad.
0: Seize the moment, huh? Yep. So um, you mentioned military cohesion. So you're, you're an athlete in high school. You're an athlete in college. You become a nurse. Explain the, the reason why military service as well as, as, as a nurse attracted you early on
1: um besides always seeing that plane whenever i could with the big red cross on the tail at mccord air force base that was when i was really young um but i started once i graduated from nursing school i started working at tacoma general hospital and and i was born at tacoma general uh and i thought that was you know the best job i could have and my dream job at the time Um, but then I realized not everybody that had been there for decades was very happy and I really didn't want to die in the same hospital I was born in and I had friends that were military one of my best friends was a West Point grad one of my other best friends uh, was ROTC and became a a pilot in the Air Force and we talked a lot and it, it just turned out to be a really good fit you know my father had had been in the Army, he's a World War II vet, uh, I figured I could do the same job that I was doing as an operating room nurse, which also takes teamwork, uh, and I could do that for my country and for those that were really willing to make that ultimate sacrifice if they had to for us. And uh, I thought, you know, there's really no better thing I can do with, my career than that at this point.
0: You never wavered in that?
1: No. No. I wavered a little bit when they were trying to figure out where I was going to go, but that's <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> Whether you're going to stay in Texas or go to Germany, those but but in terms of your commitment to the military. No. Even though I mean i mean especially in the in the, as you write in book as you write in tell as the first years unfolded and and unfolded you you knew you were going to be did you know you are going to be running up against you know a service that was going to um look with uh, aspersion on your sexual orientation i mean did that play into your thinking in the early years
1: absolutely i mean I was still trying not to label myself. Um, I was still dating, um, you know, with that hopes of maybe I could be, quote, you know, normal too. Um, But they made dating even impossible because I couldn't really share what was going through my mind or, you know, with anybody that, that I wanted to see. Even if I liked them a lot, I, you know, if I say it's me, not you, I couldn't say really. It's me, not you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, you talk about the human aspect of it. And this book is, there's a lot of that. You put a lot of, so you do tell stories of men you dated, women you dated, harassment you received, um, uh, unpleasant treatment you received when people suspected your orientation. Uh, was that so telling all that? Was that part? Is this part of the story that you want to get out? This very personal story?
1: Yeah, it, it, it made it really difficult to even defend yourself. Um, you had to basically take it to a degree, you know. So it. it it's it was difficult, very difficult. They put you in a difficult position when you know I didn't want to lie, but I didn't want to avoid everyone.
0: And yet, through it all, you you as you rose in the ranks and you were decorated. You're the poster child of Air Force re- recruiting. <laughs> um, you 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 was it the it was the morale and the cohesion? It sounds like of your unit and the, and your friends that, um, made it worthwhile. The very thing that you were supposed as, you know, as your orientation was supposed to be undermining, that's what made it worthwhile for you.
1: Right. Yeah. I I talk about those bad experiences. Um, but you know, the, for the majority, you know, 98, 99% of, of the people that I met and I worked with are some of the the greatest people I'll ever know. Um, and it's the, the people made it so worthwhile. The mission, the meaning, um, it was just a great overall experience.
0: Do you miss it these days? Or are you, are you satisfied that you served and you did what you needed to do and you can be done with satisfaction now?
1: You know, it's, it, you always, you always miss it. You always, a piece of you will always belong with the military. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't leave you. Um, yeah, I do miss it. I miss, I miss the mission. I miss the meaningful work in that aspect. Hmm. And I miss, certainly miss the the people. Of course, most of the folks my age are working their way out and retiring. So, um. Yeah, I think a lot of us miss it.
0: Where did you serve? You served in Germany. You also were in um, Qatar. You also spent time in Iraq, right?
1: Uh, well, we flew around the entire um, Southwest Asia and, and up into Germany. Um, you know, We covered the whole area of operation.
0: What were your duties? Um,
1: I was a flight nurse down there, so, so we transported um, all military members and DOD uh, folks that, that were there, and, and we did it on cargo aircraft, so along with moving patients, we moved a lot of cargo at the same time.
0: But you were, you were uh, working with patients who were sometimes in, in the theater of war. You were working with people who were injured and, and shot and, and had devastating yeah. in, injuries
1: yes well and and this was you know to the build up to it when i was deployed so um you know i wasn't there in in the thick of it in the heat of it um and that's that's a hard one to swallow cuz i was there but i could have been more i i could have been there in a real greater time of need as well. You know,
0: I, I I could have been useful. Your unit was there at that point. And this is two thousand five, two thousand six.
1: And still they're still there, yes.
0: So your what what was your, what unit the um I'm forgetting the number of your unit.
1: Six. Four forty six air medical evacuation squadron. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my friends deployed over ten times.
0: Ten times. Ten times. I think it was one of your lawyers or maybe it was somebody, one of your friends who was testifying said that, you know, nobody ever, nobody laying on those uh, evacuation uh, stretchers ever looked up and said, uh, as you were about to put an IV in somebody's arm, they never looked up and said, oh, wait, what's your sexual orientation? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I made that statement in my initial press release, you know. Nobody ever asked me. Nobody ever cared. They were just glad to see me there.
0: Glad to see you there. Glad to see you doing the work and knowing that you had, you were a trained professional able to do that work. Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: I think that would be what would rankle most is that you had all this training and profession and the, and the military was saying, well, yeah, but we don't want to use it. Same thing that's happening now. Same thing that's always been yeah. happening.
1: I trained over half my life to do that, to be there. I mean, that was was what I did. And
0: I was stopped. When you went to trial the first time in 2006, what were your goals?
1: Still to get back in, rejoin my unit as soon as possible, but uh, also to show That we could serve, you know, and we've been serving, and it was we didn't affect unit cohesion and morale in a negative way. Yeah, it was no
0: different
1: the day before, and I could continue to serve. I mean, that just to show that.
0: And and when what was the judge's ruling in that case? What did the judge say?
1: Uh, initially, the judge I uh, did not win that. He he kind of deferred to back to the military. On um, they have military deference.
0: But then you yeah. you you all decided to keep on fighting. The ACLU, your lawyers, you decided of Washington right. ACLU of Washington. You all decided to keep on, yep. and it was another four years before you got is that right four years before you got back into court let's see
1: 2006 2000 i think it was 2007 i think it was another year another year yeah and then it was a number of years after that four more years after that
0: because the because the ninth kicks it back to that same judge to To look at it again, because of the wit standard, because saying you know this has to apply. you have to prove to me that this person, this individual uh, affected morale, and that second time was all about your friends and the military, the Obama administration, in this case, being the ones in you know defending don't ask don't tell uh, trying to say, you know well they were saying, well, she was not fit to serve military cohesion, but they only had one um, one witness, and that was a witness who had never even met you, right?
1: Never, no, no, one general.
0: And that general said, "said what? What was his rationale?"
1: Uh, it was just the party line that we were, as a whole, a negative effect on unit cohesion and morale. He'd never met me, never looked at my record, just didn't believe that it was. You know, consistent with military service, along with, you know, the standing law and policy.
0: Then, and your side brought in your own general, as you said, six foot five, ramrod straight, gray hair, and and uh, and what did he? What was his testimony?
1: Um, he was much more of a realist. I mean, he didn't he didn't toe the party line. He he had served with with many people that he knew or suspected and he supported his troops and there was no problems and there would be no problems. It had been studied. Yeah. He was great.
0: And then after he testified, uh, I think it was, or was it after the, was it after the judge's ruling or just after his testimony, he pulled you aside to talk to you?
1: Yeah. Uh, at the end of that day, um, I, I think, it was it was the day before the actual ruling. We had to go back for the ruling, but it was the end of the the process and, you know, things were looking pretty positive. So he pulled me aside and said this is, you know, basically the general to the major conversation and sat me down and wanted to know if, you know, I was I was ready to go back in, could I meet the fitness standards, could I meet the weight standards? Um I was representing everybody, you know. Pressure's on you now. You gotta, you gotta step up. So okay, everything just kind of
0: went, <clears throat> and we're back. Yeah, yeah.
1: And we were happy, and now we're focused again. Yeah.
0: I guess officers yeah. have a way of doing that.
1: Yeah, generals have, well, you know, yes.
0: So, um, when that when the judge ruled in your favor. Uh, that second time, the same judge, and and as you tell the story in the book, he, he, for him it was personal, and and do you remember what the judge what happened as the judge gave his postscript to you? Do you remember what he said to you personally?
1: The first time or this,
0: this second time after the after the court had bounced it back and then he had ruled in twenty eleven, right? Layton. Yeah, Layton.
1: Judge Layton, Yeah. Um, it was a pretty, pretty lengthy postscript. And, um, he was very supportive. Um, he was really moved by the importance of what came of, you know, what really came of this, where I won, where I, I had told him I had won, was that I had my family and my family's support for the first time because I hadn't, hadn't been out to my parents. And, um, and he said that I was going to be faced with being somewhat of a uh, civil rights leader for LGBT rights in the future.
0: Yeah, he said, he ended by saying, um, I would submit to you that the best thing to come out of all of this is still that love and support you have received from your family. You're truly blessed as a family, and I'm sure they will see you through whatever obstacles and difficulties you may encounter during the road ahead. And, uh, you know, you and and your your co-author, Tim, say that he, he seemed to have tears in his eyes when he was saying that. He had his own issues he was dealing with, but he it struck him as a real powerful moment
1: it absolutely did yeah it was it was extremely emotional um, it was very powerful um touched me a great deal that he would do that
0: you know Still. I, <laughs> well it's because i mean throughout to me the story of this book is the story of the of the of the sin of omission you know, if you are forced to leave something out of your life, how much it can um, define your life. And I, do you ever feel like you were moving in a way that you were going to be that the omission, not coming out to your parents, not, not being able to tell your friends, not being honest with, the, with how you were in the service. Did you ever feel that was going to be? How great a burden did that feel like it would be for your life?
1: You always, there's always a piece missing. You always have a hole. The, and the feeling that I have now, it, it's, it's almost overwhelming to to just feel, I just feel full. I feel human. I, 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 it's very freeing. You know, I can, I can have an open conversation, um, uh, and to have my parents' support.
0: We, by, by the way, were you really su- were you surprised that your parents were that supportive? They, the way you write about them, they seemed like they were going to be great people, have your back from from the get go.
1: I, you know, I knew they would always love me, but um, it was just always that kind of negative. Comments and reinforcements along all those years that I thought I'm—I mean, the worst thing was always to disappoint our parents. Yeah. You know, in my family, and this was going to be a huge disappointment. Um. So, uh, yeah, I was I was very fearful of of their reaction.
0: Comes back to that notion of omission again, right? Better to know than not know for most things, I would think
1: right <laughs> right but you know i mean i think my i always felt that my at least my mom always had the you know i i i just rather not know cuz then i don't have to deal with it well but then i'm left with that hole yeah and we have so much more so
0: you know there's a picture in here of both you and and uh, colonel camomire at your uh, retirement uh you're mustering out what do you call that when you leave the military <laughs> uh, yeah and um that you know it's a very it's a very historic sort of notion and i wonder that here are these two officers who served with you know had to fight but served with distinction got to retire uh, as individuals and um there are those who look at what's happened in the in the country today in terms of the vote for president trump and their you know in the way that things have flow have unfolded and people are fearful that are we going backwards like was president obama or and is colonel Kammermeier, and is major wit were they like just moments in time when again discrimination is acceptable what do you think
1: I, I well, definitely think we've gone backwards, not just a step, but many steps. Um, but, you know, we still have that moment. We still have those moments. And we're going to build on those moments. We'll build back up on those moments. Uh, Colonel Kamenmeyer was a moment for me. You know, Perry Watkins was a, was a moment that, recaptured for me and an inspiration for me that doesn't go away that doesn't go away we're not going away
0: it's part of that notion of who writes history and and how history is told
1: exactly yes he writes writes the books (laughs) becomes reality
0: you write the books and you put up the statue and, and maybe you have an honest statue and not a dishonest statue
1: right yeah
0: do you really have a lot of dachshunds right now? I, I read that you have a bunch of dachshunds.
1: I used to have three. I'm down to one.
0: You're down to one.
1: One and one Karen terrier.
0: Oh yeah. oh, I see. You brought in a You brought in some some different I mean,
1: ones. He was kind of a rescue. That's Lori's dog. He <laughs> loves he loves Lori best. But yeah, the wiener dogs they just make me laugh.
0: Yeah. And, and and now that you're retired, do you still do? Are you a volunteer? Do you do volunteer work? What do you do?
1: Actually, um, you know, I retired from the Air Force Reserve. I've always, while I was in the reserves, had a full-time job as well. So I work for the VA. I'm a physical therapist, actually, with the VA.
0: Oh, you remain a you. Oh, you remain a physical therapist. You remain full-time working person,
1: right? And um, I also uh, work as um, uh, a nurse uh, in a different department, kind of as a, a nurse coordinator
0: management. I see. So, having retired, you still have to keep. You're not really retired at all. You're still working I don't full see time.
1: The time of that retirement until <laughs> I'm 60. So, you know, let's hope I make it to 60 because <laughs> I earned
0: that. Well, instead, you'll take a you'll take a book tour.
1: Yeah,
0: that'll be your vacation. Well, I I appreciate you writing this book. I I think it is it is great when we have the histories, the oral histories. You know, recounting all these things, because then it is harder for the the uh, those who support omission to succeed.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right. Thank Needed you. To what were you, I, I? interrupted you.
1: Needed to be told.
0: Needed to be told. Yeah. 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 Well, it was like the one of the you. You have a picture in here of some kid who comes over from uh, where does he come from? Idaho, somewhere. Is he only out? Idaho. Yeah, Jacob Evans Town, an openly gay high school student from Deary, Idaho, came more than 100 miles to meet you when you are Grand Marshal of the 2011 Pride Parade.
1: Yeah, still a friend of mine on Facebook. In fact, I think he just started teaching. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think about all those service members who were discharged or forced out or expelled during all that time of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. 10,000 people whose yeah. lives... More than that, yeah, more than that. Fourteen thousand.
1: Fourteen thousand. Yeah, if pardones don't tell, over a hundred thousand before that.
0: Right, right. Of course. Yeah, yeah it's pretty astounding numbers. Uh, and when it comes back to whether individuals can do or not do the job, to be judged by other things, as we've seen throughout history, I guess that's the trend. We'll we'll keep seeing some changes, hopefully, away from judging people as labels.
1: I hope so. I hope so. And I, my thoughts, my, my thoughts, my prayers um, are really with those service members that are, are working under these current conditions.
0: They really are. Are your parents still around?
1: Yep. Yep. Just had them down for the eclipse. And, uh, had him out there with her little glasses on. Mom's 90, dad's 89,
0: so. All right, Major, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Major Margaret Witt retired. Her book is called Tell, Love, Defiance, and the Military Trial at the Tipping Point for Gay Rights. Major Margaret Witt wrote it with journalist Tim Connor. It's got a forward by Colonel Margareta Cammeyer. This is a book that's right at the forefront in what's happening around our country and the world today. Thank you for listening to At Length. I'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. The folks who are coming to Town Hall, long-form interviews, also listen to our short excerpts that are in the podcast In The Moment The Town Hall is offering, along with offering full-length presentations from the people who come to Town Hall. Civics, science, arts and culture. You can find the streams where all podcasts are offered. You can also find it at their website, townhallseattle.org. I'm Steve Scher. Thanks for listening. If you like this, let me know. You can find me on Facebook, Stephen Scher. You can find me at Twitter at Stephen underscore share. You can also send me an email, sscher at gmail.com. I'd like to hear from you. Tell me what you think of these. Take care.